Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the second part of It's a Fandom Thing's celebration of all things horror. This On this episode, we are going to be talking about zombie and pandemic films, and we're also going to mention a television show as well in the zombie area, which I'm sure everybody can guess what show that is. But before we get into that, just a couple of housekeeping notes. As always, we are now taking listener support. You can either click the listener support link link in the show notes, excuse me, or go to our anchor page and click listener support. And um, we are going to be, for the foreseeable future, donating at least 50% of that to various Black Lives Matter organizations. Like I mentioned on the last episode, what I am thinking of doing is every month on like the first of the month, just taking whatever we have in the funds and just donating the donating 50% of that at least to one organization. So it'll be just highlighting an organization per month. So that's kind of how I'm looking to do it. If anybody has any feedback, suggestions, if you have any organizations you want to point out, please feel free to contact us as well. So that'd be great. Okay, so now I'm going to go around the room and have everybody introduce themselves and tell me one thing in pop culture that they're excited about right now. Start with you, Rebecca. Hello, I'm Rebecca Jacobson. Glad to be back on the show to talk about zombies. And my favorite thing is a zombie film that I watched last night called on Hulu called Little Monsters, which is delightful. It's from Australia. It stars Lupita Nyong'o. I highly recommend it, especially if you're into the zombie films. Susie, if you want to you're into right now in pop culture. Oh, hello. I'm Susie. I'm not used to being next because my last name like always usually like relegates me to the back of like the the line and such. Like, you know, like when they had like the caboose in school when you did school lines, I was the caboose oftentimes. <laughs> um, but something a zombie movie that I really enjoy, it's really funny and silly, well, to me at least, is um, Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's written by uh, Seth Graham Smith, and it's, he kind of like twisted Jane Austen's like Pride and Prejudice work. It's also a book. Uh, there's like three books in the series. Uh, I do recommend those. They're a fun read. But the movie, the movie is where it shines. Because you have just like these women in Regency era gowns, like kicking zombie butt, which is amazing. And the whole, um, you know, like the scene where Darcy confesses his love to <laughs> Darcy confesses his love. Um, just watch it. It's like a really good verbal 
sparring scene and the wings, like a nudge to get you to see it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, see, that's the kind of Pride and Prejudice movie I would watch. I don't like those movies at all, like the normal version of them. They bore <laughs> me to tears. So that might be one that I would check out. Tiffany, if you want to introduce yourself, just let me know one thing in pop culture that you're excited about right now. This episode is off to a banging start so far. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Tiffany. Thanks for having me back, (laughs) Erin. The thing that uh, I watched the other day actually was Enola Holmes on Netflix. And it was so charming. uh, So much fun. Uh, I think... It's not just, you know, people are thinking, oh, my goodness, another kind of Sherlock type of um, film or, or miniseries or anything like that. It's Millie Bobby Brown is just so fun in it. Uh, she's such a talented little actress. And um, it, the men, the funny thing is because the men are so much in the background in it that I think really makes the film shine <laughs> because it's so focused on the women and on Millie. Uh, especially. So I definitely say check it out because it was just, it was a lot of fun. It really was. Yeah. I've heard nothing but good things about that one. Um, I'll have to, have to check it out because yeah, everything I've listened to every, every time anyone has talked about it, they've said it's a lot of fun, especially her that she's really, really good. Yeah. And, and I think she's great in um, stranger things. So yeah, so I'll have to check that out. And this is Aaron. And unfortunately, first off, before I say what I'm into, it looks like Sarah Alder, who was supposed to be on here, might not be able to join us. She's having some technical difficulties. So I'm sad about that. I'm hoping maybe somehow she hops on a little bit later. But I just wanted to say that first. Um, But what I'm into is this is going to shock everybody, but I'm recommending something that's streaming on Shudder right now. Um, I watched this horror comedy last night called Scare Me. And it's all about these two uh, horror novelists. One is very successful, played by, um, should have brought her up before I started, Um, but she plays Stormfront on um, The Boys. And she's a very successful horror writer. And then there's a horror writer who's not as successful and, or I don't even think he's even published anything yet. And they're stuck um, in a cabin and the power goes out. They both have different cabins and she goes over there and she's like, let's tell each other scary stories. So they start telling each other scary stories and then they even order a pizza, which first off, I didn't even know you could order pizzas to cabins in the mountains. <laughs> but it's just really clever and if you're a writer at all, it's really funny. Um, there's a whole scene in the beginning where the male writer is trying to, his name is Fred, and he's trying to come up with ideas and write. And all he's doing is Googling things and drinking and doing all other sorts of things, everything but writing. Um, so it's really that good about that. Painfully, and... <laughs> that sounds painfully familiar to me. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. And then um, I just want to give a shout out to because then they order a pizza and the pizza guy comes and they invite him in to tell scary stories too, and he is really funny. So let me get a, his name really quickly. But um, but yeah, the two main stars are Aya Cash and Josh Rubin. And Josh Rubin Rubin also wrote and directed it. And then Chris Red comes in as Carlo, the pizza delivery guy, and he is hysterical. So. I do recommend it. I know some people have said it's boring. I think it's really entertaining. It's definitely a comedy. There's very little really anything scary in there. So check that one out. 
Okay, so let's get into zombies. And of course, I mean, the we're going to talk about Night of the Living Dead in just a second because that is really the film that pretty much launched the way we view zombies. But there were zombie films produced in the 30s and 40s. Um, so there have so this has been around for a while, but George Romero's Night of the Living Dead definitely definitely launched the whole genre and that's kind of the um, gold standard for it so let's get into talking about that one first so Susie what are your or sorry Rebecca <laughs> um, what are you your can thoughts? start with Susie no 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 what, what are, Rebecca what are your thoughts on Night of the Living Dead oh my gosh so I didn't see this film until college and I was a film studies major at the University of Nebraska and we actually watched it as a part of a course on Cold War films in the United States. So I hadn't seen it before. I, and I think I was probably the only person in the class who hadn't seen it before. And so we were talking about it in the context of the Cold War, that the zombies, which are not actually called zombies in the movie, if you go back and watch it, they are referred to as ghouls. <laughs> So the term zombies for these undead reanimated bodies did not come about until later. Uh, the we looked at it as like this is a this is all about the fear of radiation from the bomb or that could happen from all the nuclear tests that had happened happened in the 40s and 50s and this is basically a metaphor for invasion by a foreign power. But watching it I rewatched it just this last week. Fun fact, it is public domain. You can watch the entire film on YouTube and not or download it and not worry about copyright infringement. All because George Romero changed the title of the film the night before it was screened. <laughs> True story. And because he changed the title of the film, he forgot to put the copyright mark on the title card of the film. And because it screened without that copyright mark on it and it was prior to 1975 it was automatically public domain at that point so fun fact about film copyright law for everyone watch, listening to the podcast today i uh, i rewatched it recently and i was surprised how much more the ending affected me thinking about what has happened especially this last year and the last couple years for black people in this country being attacked by mobs of white people or by police officers and shot for no reason. And watching the end of that film, I felt just kind of sick to my stomach in a way that I hadn't felt when I watched it years ago when I was in college. So I think it's still, it's, it's still an incredible piece of filmmaking and I th I'm, I'm always amazed when films hold up for more than 50 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we're definitely going to get into the ending a lot more because I think it's really important to discuss that ending and some trivia around that ending. And going to your copyright thing really quickly, this is why you will see in horror movies, you will very often see people watching Night of the Living Dead. And that's because they don't have to pay for it they don't have to pay for the rights to it so that's why if you ever wonder why when you're watching horror movies this is the horror movie that people seem to be watching more than any other one or even any other movie when they're watching a horror movie that's why so yep. yeah interesting little note yeah interesting little trivia yep 
And then yeah, Susan... so George Romero did not make much money off of the original yeah. Night of the Dead. Yeah. He's kind of pissed about it. <laughs> I would be too. <laughs> and Susie, what are your uh, general thoughts about Night of the Living Dead? Um, I think, so I first watched uh, Night of the Living Dead as a teenager uh, with with a friend. And what I'm watching it at that age, I was like, oh, okay, this is a zombie movie. It's pretty cool. Um, and and then rewatching it when I got older, I did get to see, I got to um, understand some more of like the messages behind it. And you can really see how the movie is, is very timeless. Like you can kind of pick any spot in like history and kind of like apply this movie to it. There's a lot of like different messages that can be interpreted, like the old turning on the new, um, the, the, rapid change the unknown that comes along and upends the uh, like the established american um norm which can also be applied to like today's situation or like situations in like the 60s 80s and the 90s and see through it you can see it throughout time and then there's also the fact that um it's i feel like it's also a message that um oftentimes especially i think now we we should hold on to our individuality because if we do not, uh, we run the risk of succumbing and becoming like a mindless horde, just like um, many others can succumb to. So you can either become like the zombie or you can become like the trigger happy redneck that's just out there, like shooting stuff down as they please. Yeah. And Tiffany? I saw the film also as a uh, teenager, and it's only because I was uh, looking for horror films to kind of expand my palette. And since it was an older one, I thought that would be a good one to get up under my belt. Um, I didn't necessarily know about the level of cult classicdom that it had <laughs> at the time. So when I watched it, I was really watching it from a very new view of, I've never seen this before. I've never really understood what it was about. So I really like how Rebecca said that it was in terms of like the Cold War. I really like that that frame because I can really see it. And I think that's the best way to look at that film is that you can look at it from multiple points of view and it applies to so many different situations. Um, it was Obviously, it was unheard of to have in a film anchored by white actors. It was not unheard of to have a black actor as your main character. And something that, I mean, George Romero was subverting the system. And I think that's the that's probably the biggest takeaway I have from the film right there is that he said, look, I'm going to put the best actor that I can find in this situation. And guess what? He happens to be black and you all are going to take it and you're going to love it. <laughs> I think that's what, uh, I think that's what a lot of people figured out is that they did love and it didn't matter that the actor playing Ben was black. So um, I haven't come back to it in a while. So I do need to revisit it because it's probably been about maybe at least 10 years since I've actually seen it. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to coming back and, and looking and, and seeing if I can find some more symbolism in it. But I, uh, I, it's always stuck out of my mind for sure. 
Yeah, it's definitely a classic. It's definitely a movie that everybody, I think, should see. Um, even even if you don't like horror films, there's a lot of messages to gain here, especially, you know, it's 1968. And as I've mentioned before, I really think horror um, tries to push the boundaries, tries to make political statements a lot more than other movies do. Um, and I think sometimes they do it better than other genres do. And definitely with this, you know... When Dwayne Jones went into audition, he was, like Tiffany said, he was the best person for the role. That's what George Romero decided because the character was not written as as a black man. So it was just Dwayne Jones came in. He gave a great performance. And George Romero's like, yep, this is going to be my lead. And yeah, at that time, especially to have a black man be the hero and the smartest person in the room. And you really see that when, I mean, I rewatched it the other day and I'm like, yeah, that's, I mean, it's really, really revolutionary to have that, especially in that time period. Um, you know, and the, and the ending, it makes the ending even more tragic. I mean, it would be tragic no matter what. Um, and especially how abrupt the ending is. We're going to talk about that in a second here, but yeah, having Dwayne Jones be the lead um, and have him not only be, you know, in charge, but be in charge and holding his own um, against white people and never having it be like, um, you know, he's never really put in his place by these other characters, quote unquote, put in his place. Like you would have probably seen in a lot of other movies. He would have been, cast to the back or he would have been killed in about two seconds flat so to see that and to see it it was really revolutionary um and i i think it's i think george romero deserves so much credit for doing that and for bucking the system and i'm so glad that it happened and people got to see it and people still see it today and people still discover it today um you know, and I think about the line where Dwayne Jones says, "You can be the boss down there. I'm the boss." Yes, up here. I know, I know. <laughs> that was like shoving the face. white people into the basement. <laughs> that was incredible. I mean, that's I mean, that's really incredible and powerful to see. Um, it's incredible and powerful to see, even in this day and age. Sadly, I mean, that's still not necessarily something you would always see necessarily in this day and age either. So yeah, yeah, and he was just so good in the movie anyway so i mean he just i think when you're doing a horror movie and you're acting in a horror movie you can't act like this is unbelievable like the stuff that's happening isn't happening like you're in a horror movie you have to act like you this is a what's happening this is a normal situation and you have to deal with it and he did that so well and i think sometimes people can be too over the top in horror films which i understand i mean it's a bizarre situation to be in but I, I think talk about Barbara so the movie. And, yeah, we're going to talk about Barbara because I have my thoughts on Barbara. But yeah, I mean, just just having that was just such a such an awesome thing to see. And he's just so such a, so good in the movie. Um, so let's talk then really quickly. Sorry about Barbara here then, because you just mentioned that, Rebecca, because I just want to say I think Barbara is the most frustrating character ever. I understand <laughs> she lost her brother, you know, she was, they were visiting the grave and her brother got killed by a zombie. And I understand, you know, and she can't accept that he's dead. I understand you're freaking out and you're having a panic attack, but she's so useless. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> She's so useless. I mean, she just sits there and Ben does everything in the movie. And Barbara's just sitting there just like rocking back and forth. And I understand you're having a panic attack. That's what somebody said the other day when I posted about that on Facebook. Well, I thought it was pretty good because that's a realistic panic attack there. But same time it was really frustrating what <laughs> i think she's a frustrating character what do you think about about barbara rebecca um she is i i when i rewatch the movie i actually give her a little bit more credit because i do think of how many zombie films that i've seen since night of the living dead where people kind of accept the fact that the dead are reanimated and walking around very quickly and i'm like you know what this is this is some freaky stuff. Like this is, I'm going to give her some credit for actually like living through the trauma there on screen. But I also think about how it would have, I think she would have been even more useless had the lead been a white man because they had not, they had not intended this had not been written as a role for a black man. And actually Watching the documentary Horror Noir, uh, which people can find on Amazon Prime or on Shudder now, about the history of African Americans in horror films, uh, somebody made a great point of, is she more afraid of the zombies or is she actually more freaked out about the black man who's effect- who she's effectively trapped with <laughs> and the other white people aren't doing anything to save her either? That's that's a good point, actually, Rebecca. Yeah, yeah. That's um, and your it thoughts. It reads really differently with a black man yeah. as the lead, doesn't it? If it was a white man, you'd just be like, "Oh God, Barbara, you're just such a." <laughs> Come on, Barbara, get up. I'm like, he's doing everything. Do so. but yeah, that's 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 an interesting point, Susie. Right, uh, so I do agree with like Rebecca. Um, Barbara's character is so infuriating, but also it's it is kind of um, I think one must take in mind as a privileged white woman is she, like in her head is she trading like one evil for another evil like in her head. Um, but it's also the fact that uh, it's it's just like her is. Uh, She's kind of infuriating at points, but some I can't like get too mad at her because um as someone who watches like a lot of horror movies and zombie movies and pandemic movies, um, you see like a whole spectrum. Like in every movie that I watched, everyone has like different reactions to the situation that they're in. And being hysterical and somewhat childish is her reaction to the situation that she's in. And I don't feel like I can judge her like too too harshly for it because if I was in such a similar situation I don't know how I would react I have an idea of how I would like to react but is the reality going to be close to the imagined like um, course of action I don't know so I feel like like sometimes that should be taken into account somewhat Yeah, no, that's, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. If this were to happen, well, I mean, right now we're in the middle of a pandemic 
and people react differently and you know you're seeing that a lot so yeah the way that you think you would react you might not react that way. I actually think the way people are reacting right now is the way they would react in a zombie <laughs> apocalypse. Honestly, there are people that would hide that they got bit and there are, you know, there are people that would be freaking out more than others. There would be people that would be taking it more seriously than others. So I think we're kind of seeing right now, honestly, the way that we would react if we were in the middle of a zombie movie um, without the actual zombies walking around and, you know, like with the horror makeup and everything like that. But yeah, I, I, that's, that's a good point. Tiffany. I, I mean, the only thing I can say about Barbara, that's just kind of useless. I'm sorry. <laughs> she's, she's just, I mean, what are you adding to the mix, Barbara? What are, what are you doing for us, Barbara? Find some, some skillful employment, Barbara. <laughs> It's just, you know, I mean, you go, I understand, you know, your brother gets murdered and you're seeing all of these reanimated ghouls running over the place. But at some point in time, you have to get it together, Barbara, and do something. Get off your keister and do something. Um, But I do like what you said, Susie, about you don't know how you're going to react to certain situations, uh, the stress of that. Who knows? If I was in that situation, maybe I would just faint. I don't know. Maybe I would just be fainting left and right, like one of those goats. <laughs> but Barbara is probably um, my least favorite character in the film, just because I feel like she capitalizes off of um, her uh, perceived femininity, and she lets that overtake her. She she's a woman, and she wants to be taken care of quote unquote, like a woman. Uh, and that, that bothers me because it's not a situation. It's not a, it's not a normal everyday situation. So you have to change your viewpoint and how you're going to react to certain things. So she's probably my least favorite. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. Cause she's I, like, I said, I posted on Facebook when I was rewatching it. Barbara is the most useless character. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, she is the first one. Like when we're talking about all of the tropes that people get annoyed with in zombie movies, how they all started here. The you see your loved one, and therefore you can't like accept yeah. the fact that they're a reanimated dead person, and you're not keeping away from them, and they get dragged. Barbara is the first one to get dragged through the bars of the house yeah. <laughs> by her dead brother and pulled apart, eaten alive. Can I ask the fandom here something? Because I heard this in college and I've not heard any other Night of the Living Dead fans mention this. I was told when watching it first in college that you should really have a bucket of fried chicken while watching the movie because so much of the way the zombies are eating people in the movie kind of looks like the way people are like, like, and they would give them like occasionally like fried, like, well, not fried, but like, chicken to pull pull because it looks like flesh i wouldn't want to eat chicken while i'm watching it (laughs) i don't want to to do that now (laughs) this is why i told me people like you got to start watching it at midnight and you got to have a bucket of fried chicken so that while the zombies are eating you can be tearing into some chicken off the bone too no, I mean, so if you really want to have it like be like somewhat realistic with all the tendons and stuff get a turkey leg yeah, just like oh my God. dig okay. into that sucker. 
Wow. <laughs> We're going to go back to the cannibal conversation from our true crime episode here. Oh, my. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I have uh, Wow. Yeah, I haven't heard that. Sorry. I'm just taking a second to process that because that's... <laughs> I would not want to be eating something where I was thinking that I was eating flesh at the same time. I'm, but that's just me. But that's interesting. Even uh, that from my professor when yeah. we watched the movie. I wonder class. if that's like a um, midnight that's screening a thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, I think Barbara is useless. And I try to understand, but she is useless. Um, I do want to point out because I was listening to another podcast um, and it's a really good horror podcast so I recommend it for everyone called Pod Mortem and they were saying they were doing this one the other day and they were telling trivia about it and um, the first bit of trivia and then I'll get to the other trivia which has to do with the ending is the scene where um, Barbara you know slaps Ben and then Ben slaps Barbara. Dwayne was so he's like I really shouldn't be doing this I should not as a black man be seen on screen hitting a white woman and George Romero insisted they put it in there and then I guess later he said he totally regrets doing that and he thinks it's one of the the worst things that he did for the film he thinks he should have cut that out um so I'm gonna get your reaction on that but also According to this podcast, and I was trying to find backup on this, but I can't find it anywhere in the trivia, and I couldn't find it anywhere researching. But um, I know they wanted to change the ending. They wanted to have a happier ending. Um, studios wanted a happier ending because, of course, in the end, spoiler alert for everybody out there, um, towards the very end, you've got this mob of people, policemen, other people, coming in with their dogs um, and they're going to the the house that they've been hiding out in. And Ben is the only one still alive. And Ben is kind of looking through. They see him and they shoot him in the head and he dies instantly. And it's not even like a moment of like, oh, my gosh, I hope he ducks and doesn't. It just instantly happens. And I know when it was released originally, it was, you know, got a lot of harsh reactions. It took people by surprise because you're not expecting the hero to die that way. And um, according to when I was listening to this podcast, they mentioned that for a little bit, George Romero, um, you know, he said he might want to change that ending. He was like, no, we should maybe we should change that. And um Supposedly, Dwayne Jones said, no, we should keep that in because it fits with what is going on in society right now. And this is what would happen in society, sadly. Um, and then it also is such a reflection of the civil rights movement because you've got the dogs. Dogs were used so often to attack and terrorize. So you've got that as well. So it is such a statement on that. Um and then I do want to say quickly also, sorry, before I get panelists' opinions on this. That and this is a spoiler spoiler alert for Get Out. Has if if you haven't seen Get Out and you're on this podcast right now, take off your headphones for a couple of minutes. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm gonna start because I didn't I I didn't that know. Was funny. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna spoil it right now. So in the end of Get Out, originally it was gonna end where Chris got arrested, went to jail. And then um, they ended up changing it because wanted to give a happy ending to it. 
um, because there was so much brutality and wanted to have black people to see a happy ending in the end. And I know on that horror noir film, they talk about that a lot, about how it was nice to switch that up and not have an Eye of the Living Dead type ending. So, yeah, I just want to mention that quickly. Okay, now I'm going to go around and just get everybody's thoughts on the ending. And if you have any thoughts about the slap as well, because I do think that is kind of an important thing to talk about. Rebecca? Again, I think that the slap, the slapping Barbara, I don't think would have registered the same way had they not cast a black man, had they not cast Dwayne Jones. If you think about like how many women were, you know, slapped out of hysteria in films, that was kind of a a trope of pull yourself together woman. And so following through the script, it is, um, but remember, she's not the only person that he hits in the movie. He hits, I think it's Mr. Cooper, uh, the white man who retreats back to the basement and wants everybody to hide down in the basement and ends up getting eaten by his zombified daughter uh, down in the basement. Uh, that he, he also punches him in the face a couple times. They have a fist fight. Um, so the ending to me, I remember watching it the first time. And again, we were talking about the film in the context of the Cold War and kind of what was happening. The idea that like sort of the white, uh, like American military stand-in basically is just going to shoot first, not even ask questions later, um, which is still true today. And watching it recently, I, I almost couldn't watch the ending. It's a little, I think it's even more real today the idea that he is the last survivor in the house and he's just shot by a white mob who assumes that anything moving must be one of these ghouls. And the fact that they pick him up with hooks and drag him outside to burn him, uh, it brought to mind not only what's happening now, but what's always happened to black men in this country. the image actually that first came to mind when watching this uh, again and why I kind of had to turn it off during the credits. I'm like, I can't, I can't see these images again. Uh, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, and there's a famous event in Omaha history called the Omaha race riot of 1919. If you look that up on Wikipedia, I just warn you, you're going to see a very graphic image. Uh, The short version of the story is that a, enormous mob of white men lynched a black man who was awaiting trial and were very proud of themselves for doing so and took a picture posing with their guns in front of his burning body. And that is the first thing that I thought of upon seeing the end of the movie. Again, that was like, this is exactly what, what happens (laughs) in America. And I think it's a bit easier watching it in a horror movie or for people to realize that it's like realize some of the implications of that. As you talked about, like, I think horror can actually push a lot of those political ideas in a way that's easier than dealing with them in reality, because, you know, watching the entire movie that Ben has done everything to help people in that house survive, tried to get them to safety, who was sabotaged by, one of the white men in the house, which is why they didn't make it in their escape attempt. And here he is ready to be rescued and is killed instead. It's just heartbreaking. 
Yeah, and I'm sure those the images were were completely on purpose. I mean, that's why you had those images in there. Um, Susie, I know you have to go in a few minutes too, so I want to go to you and get your thoughts on this. And then if you want to throw anything else out. Um... All right, I think I'm going to stretch it out for like 10 more minutes. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I just wanted really, to make sure. I'm really, I'm really digging these discussions. <laughs> Appointment be darned. Um, <laughs> so I, I do think... The ending for me has always been like really, really difficult because throughout the whole movie, um, <sighs> it's just a just a moment. Sorry. Um, so like throughout the whole movie, Ben is our uh, protagonist, and he's doing what he can to keep this rec tech group of people together and alive and in the end just to see him be murdered and taken to be burned is is very hard and I I do wish that the ending would have been changed but then again I feel like the message wouldn't have gotten across as well because even though Romero didn't intend for it to be a commentary on race and relations, that's what it is. And sadly, that is the truth to what still happens today. And it it does, like, the ending does kind of take you out of the movie a little bit. Because oftentimes we go to watch film to, like, escape from our realities. But the end of this is kind of like a slap and it is like a in a way like a call to action like hey this is still happening in the world that we live in which is really unfortunate and really should not should not still be something that we have to they have that we have to deal with but it is something we have to deal with and it is something that we have to talk about and bring attention to because otherwise how will we create change how will we improve as a species and as a country so I do think like the ending is really important and impactful. It's a hard watch for me, um, the ending, because he's so capable, Ben is so capable throughout the film, and he's a leader, and you expect to see a leader make it through, and, uh, and not necessarily a happy ending because the world has completely fallen apart, and their world has completely fallen apart, but at least make it to a point of safety and he's taken out by, you know, a racist white mob. And the uh, the very idea that they think that the only way that a black man is standing is if he is, is if he is a ghoul is unbelievable to me right there. That's an unbelievable sentiment because you all are alive. You all are still standing. Why can't somebody black still be alive and still be standing without um, without having been uh, surviving the, the goals that have been ranging the, the countryside? Um, so it's it's a hard, hard ending for me to, to, to watch. And, it, you know, when I do rewatch it, I'm just going to be kind of peeking through my eyes because I, I hate that ending so much. But I know why George A. Romero did it. Um, 
it's not as if somebody does it today. And I understand why Jordan Peele didn't do that and get out um, because it's so rampant and we see it consistently present day. So I understand why he didn't do it, why he felt that we, especially as black people needed that happy ending and get out. I know why George Romero did it back then though, because it wasn't as prescient then. So it's hard. It's really hard to watch. I, I still have, have a tough I have a tough time. I had a tough time thinking about it. <laughs> I'm sitting here like ah <laughs> so um I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it would have worked as well. The film wouldn't have worked as well if it did have a happy ending. I'll say that. It definitely wouldn't have worked as well. What makes it even more painful, like I said when I started talking about it, is the fact that it's so quick. It's like there's not even a, a second where you think maybe he will make it. It's just boom, boom, and he's dead. And, you know, the whole credits sequence and watching that is – that's one of those things you can really only watch, I think, once or at least for me. Or I, I mean, I think that that's, that's really, really even harder because it's just – it makes it even more painful. And at that moment, you forget all about – the ghouls you forget all about that happening and you're just focused on this complete injustice this complete injustice and these racist assholes excuse me but racist assholes who took out this guy who probably could have saved all of them he could have helped them all he could have helped them just you know take out all of the ghouls i mean he was the smartest one there so he could have been so useful and he could have led them he could have been the leader but they would have never let that happen even if they i really think even if they hadn't shot him they still wouldn't have respected him or you know had him come along so yeah it's a it's a very very painful thing to watch um i do agree i think it wouldn't work as well if it didn't end that way and we're going to get into this a little bit later but i think the way humans are portrayed in zombie and pandemic films is the scariest part of zombie and pandemic films in my opinion it's a lot scarier than the zombie it's a lot scarier than the person infected with a disease it's the people that aren't that don't have the disease that aren't the zombies they are the scarier people um, and I think that's really true in the next movie we're going to discuss, uh, 28 days later, which the reason I want to discuss this one is I think this one changed a lot of the way we view zombies. And a lot of people say this isn't even a zombie movie, um, because of course the zombies move really fast in most movies. They're very slow. And in this movie, they're really fast. Um, you can't outrun them. So it kind of changed it, and so a lot of people have different thoughts on that. So we're going to switch and move over to that uh, movie right now. And um, I just want to get your initial thoughts on 28 Days Later, Later, Rebecca. I have had very intense arguments with people about whether or not it's a zombie film, because I say that it is. And other people who said, no, George Romero made it pretty plain from the beginning that zombies are slow-moving, shuffling, reanimated dead. They can't be fast-moving or clever. And I'm like, you know what? Let's let's go back to Night of Living Dead here for a second because the zombies pick up rocks to, like, break car windows 
and to try and break into the house. I'm not going to believe that they're completely just like shuffling forward (laughs) until they happen to come across a live person to eat. So I think that that's what makes, I, I think in some ways it's more realistic than having a reanimated corpse, having this like somebody who's perhaps clinically dead, but is otherwise still moving and capable of moving really quickly. I think it makes them more threatening because one of the things that I, you know, often frustrates some people that I watch zombie movies with is they're like, they move, if they move so slowly, then why stand back and shoot them? Like, screw it. You're, you're fine. If you get in a car then like the only problem is when there's a hundred of them. And if you start picking them off early, this whole pan, this whole thing would be over really fast. And I'm like, yeah, except we've now learned in this country that we don't handle pandemics well at the beginning. <laughs> so I I enjoyed 28 Days Later. It scared the bejesus out of me the first time I saw it. Uh, and another movie that had, they gave it a happier ending than it was originally intended to have. Uh, the original ending is pretty bleak if you've ever seen it. But that's my thoughts. I say that it is a zombie film. Here's to the fast zombies and the other refreshing takes on the zombies. <laughs> and and Susie, I don't know, you probably need to go now, huh? Did you want to add your thoughts about 28 Days Later? Girl, let me say. <laughs> okay. So I do think that it's a zombie movie. One, it's a virus. Two, it's a contagious virus that if you catch it, you will turn. And three, it is a virus that is capable of causing a societal collapse. So, yes, I do believe it is a zombie movie. Listen, just because Romero had, like, the slow-moving zombies, that is not the end-all, be-all. We are not at a point where there have been many iterations of this. We have had slow zombies, mutant zombies, fungus zombies fast-moving zombies, swimming zombies. We got it all now. So, yes, I do believe it is a zombie movie. And this movie may or may not be responsible for one of my early crushes on Cillian Murphy. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Yeah, it's very... And we've also had Plants vs. Zombies, you know, so... I don't know if anybody ever played that game. <laughs> there is that. So boom. Well, and Susie, do you have to get going? I just want to make sure you close. You, you're able to close out. Uh, here, let me check my um my timetable. <laughs> I apologize. Okay, I just yes. wanted to make sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hop off now so I can start okay. the. Okay, so. It was really lovely to be here. Thank you for having me yet again, which is gracias. Nice to see everyone. Uh, you can find uh, my dog at, at Benny Pelusita. So that's at uh, B-E-N-N-I-E underscore P-E-L-U-S-I-T-A. You can find him on Instagram. He has a lot of really cute pictures and he's just stinking cute. And also, if you would like, Please give Pride and Prejudice and Zombies a shot. It's really campy and fun. At least I think so. So there. 
Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on, Susie. And Susie will be back for uh, some more episodes this month as well. So, great. And and then, Tiffany, what are your thoughts on 28 Days Later? Well, Susie took all of my points. What a way to sign <laughs> off, Susie. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, I am in agreement with both of my panelists' friends here that it is a zombie film. It definitely is a zombie film. There's nowhere in the canon that says that zombies have to move slowly. I understand George A. Romero wrote the template, but that doesn't mean the template can't be broken. Um, the I love the fact that Susie said, you know, the societal collapse. That's definitely a big point right there. Um, anytime you have a disaster film, it uh, doesn't necessarily have to be zombies. It can be any type of contagion type of deal. But anytime there's always that collapse of um, emergency services, of um, social uh, outreach. So when um, when Killian Murphy <laughs> wakes up and it is like there's nobody there, that is one of the creepiest moments. That is so creepy. Because when have you ever gone to a hospital and have it be silent? When have you ever seen anything like that? You never see that. It's always, even if it's quiet in the middle of the night, there's still always noise. There's there's machinery going. There's IVs dripping. There's nurses talking in the background. Doctors walking back and forth. So when he wakes up and it's just silence, it's like a library. It's so creepy. It's so creepy. But yeah, I mean, why not? There, You can tell these are not just, my, these are mindless not automatons, that's the wrong word, because they're moving so quickly, but they are mindless killing machines. They are. And what better way to describe a zombie than as a mindless killing machine? They are ripping people apart. They're causing mayhem and destruction. So who cares if they're moving quickly? They're just doing it in a more efficient manner. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I agree with what everyone has said. That it, it, it is because it is a zombie movie. Um, yes, and it doesn't. I mean, through history, we've changed the lore on monsters. In excuse me, I know I cannot say that word right, but uh, we've changed the lore of how they're handled. I mean, we, we've changed the lore of vampires throughout history, everything like that. I mean, it just changes and you go with the flow. I always thought it was a va- it was a vampire. I always thought it was a zombie movie, and I always thought it was funny when people said it wasn't. Because they moved so quickly. Um, I I think it works with the movie. The way it's filmed works. I think if they had been slow moving zombies. I don't think it would have had the same intensity to it. It terrified me more than I think any other zombie movie. Has ever terrified me. This one did. Um, There was just such. I don't know this. this, I I I think it's a lot to what you were saying Tiffany. About when he's going to the hospital. And it's so silent and quiet in there. There was just such an eeriness to this one. Just such a sense of hopelessness right off the bat and loneliness. And I mean, I can't imagine waking up and seeing everything is gone, basically. I mean, the scene in London where it's just empty streets and Cillian Murphy's character Jim is just walking around. I mean, that is just terrifying. And I do echo what Susie said, you know, about Cillian Murphy. This really did 
uh, you know, you did get a crush on him. And it's interesting because originally you and McGregor were supposed to play this role, but then um, he had a falling out with Danny Boyle. And so he wasn't in the film. I guess they're friends now again. But oh I just my. think that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I it would have been in that. Yeah. yeah well, because. Yeah. Ewan McGregor was like Danny Boyle's go-to guy for years, you know. They did a lot of movies together. And, yeah, they had a falling out, and so he ended up not being in the film. So, yeah, it would have been I interesting. I can't imagine anybody but Cillian Murphy. I know. Now, like, those eyes, that intensity <laughs> that <Yeah>. he gives you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would have been totally – and I love Ewan McGregor, but it would have been a totally different movie, I think, if that had happened. yeah. Yeah, and I think the ending, the original ending, the more dire ending, is more realistic. Um, but it's very depressing, but it's it's more realistic. Because I think in most of these, a happy ending, honestly, isn't very realistic in zombie and pandemic movies, sadly. So, yeah. Okay, well, um, we've kind of just... We've kind of delved into that one a lot, I think, unless there's anything else anyone wants to add about that one. But if not, I want to go into, before we get into comedy versions of zombie movies, I want to get into a TV show, um, which I'm sure everybody out there knows what I'm going to talk about. And that's The Walking Dead. And I don't know if anyone also, I mean, we can sort of get into the comic, but I'd rather just, or graphic novel, I'd rather just talk about the show. So did you watch The Walking Dead, Rebecca, or do you still watch The Walking Dead? So I watched The Walking Dead for a little while. I kind of fell off of the show. I don't know which season it was. It was, it. I loved the beginning of it. Uh, I actually remember when I started watching it, because I didn't start watching it till it became available on Netflix. Uh, it was actually a Halloween night. And the I was living in Washington, D.C. The trick-or-treaters had taken all of my candy. All of my roommates were gone or out for the evening and I was like well maybe I'll finally give this show a try and made it through I think about the entire first season in an evening uh a lot of what really fascinated me about it was the group survival aspect and at first the zombies are really scary and they really are a threat and I kind of felt like as the show went on they just kind of became this background thing like you had to start getting bigger and bigger hordes of them, which is why I think there's kind of a problem with the slow zombies and people who want to argue with me about this in 28 days later. This is why I'm like, yeah, you know, it, they had the right idea. And I don't say this just as a Nebraskan of just going out to Nebraska (laughs) at the beginning of the movie, at the beginning of the TV show. Uh, And I've discussed this with other people before. I'm like, You know, they talked about just heading out to Nebraska. It's a great idea. Low population, not a high density. Eventually, and I do appreciate that the show does this, the corpses do fall apart because they are decaying. And so eventually, yeah, you just have these like half animated corpses kind of twitching there in the road, which is not a big threat to you unless you want to go up there and stick your arm in their mouth. (laughs) So... I'm like, you know what? If you hide out in the Nebraska panhandle, the chances of a horde of zombies actually making it to you is pretty slim. So why are they all still around Atlanta? (laughs) And you're trying to go towards D.C. as a dumb idea. (laughs) So I, I kind of got frustrated with the show and ended up getting kind of bored with it and done. I've... I think I actually got kind of bored with the idea that the 
other survivors are the greatest problem in the the zombie apocalypse. I've argued with other people about this, that this is not what actually happens in times of, you know, great disaster, which given what we're going through now, I would like to revisit that argument. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and we're definitely some... Thank you. Oh my gosh. I thought I was the only one in the world who didn't like Rick, but because... No, I hate Rick. (laughs) I, I think Tiffany might disagree with us on that one, but I, I don't know. I could be wrong. But uh, but someday we're going to do a whole show about walking The Walking Dead because I think it's an important one to cover. Um, but Tiffany, what are your thoughts on The Walking Dead? Do you still watch it? or I gave it up um, two seasons ago. I stuck with it. I did. I stuck with it for a long, long time. Uh, since And I watched it when it first came out. Um, so... Gosh, what was that? Twenty eleven or so. Um, I was I was a, a brand new mom, <laughs> the first time mom, so I'm up anyway. So I was like, okay, well, let me watch a zombie film, a zombie series, since I feel like a zombie. Um, and it was uh, it blew me away when it first came out because you know what, what we were talking about with um, when Jim first wakes up in twenty eight days later, it's the same parallel with Rick waking up in the hospital in Atlanta, the city center, the capital, and it's silent again. And then they did it in, in black and white. I don't know if you've all seen that for that pilot episode in the black and white. And it is so creepy. It's such a, it's, it's really stark and it really hits as a resonance with it when it's stripped of its color. Although they did come back and they did um, show the, you know, the full color version as well. But there's something about that, that pilot up in, in black and white that just gets me every time. Uh, and it really, really was a great show for like six, seven seasons. It was really, really great. And then it just ran off the rails. I don't know what happened. I don't know if the writers got bored. Uh, I don't know if the, the actors were still giving a lot. I mean, they were, they were still giving, they were still giving a lot. Um, Probably my favorite is probably uh, Denai Guerrera. She's uh, she's so great. <laughs> Michonne is so awesome, and I, although I know she has um, she has since left the show as well, um, but I like I liked Rick. <laughs> I like I like <laughs> Most people like Rick. Honestly, Rebecca, you and I are in the minority. Now, some some parts of Rick I did not like. Like, I could feel like he was really, like, self-righteous at times. Um, I, I did, yeah, I can, I can see that. But the times, I think, when he was solely focused on getting his people to safety, those were the times that I really, really uh, enjoyed his character. And I, I really loved his... Um, his relationship with Michonne, even before they got together, even before that happened, when they were um, kind of like co-leaders and she was acting as a surrogate to Carl and to uh, Judith, I was, I really loved their dynamic. I really did because I felt like he had this ultimate level of respect for her Um and she had a ton of respect for him, too. So I really like seeing how their relationship unfolded. Uh, so I, I do like a lot of the parts of Rick. And I've always loved Carol. 
I've always loved Carol. She's uh, such a, the, the way her character has evolved from the first couple of seasons to where she is now, or where she was when I left off. Wow. Wow. What a, uh, what a woman. <laughs> what a, what a woman. <laughs> she is. One a, of the things that I hated about Rick, though, when he turns Carol out. Oh, I know. I'm I like, know. you hypocrite. Yeah, that was <laughs> bad. That was bad. Okay, that was a bad part. <laughs> I agree. That was a that was a bad part. Even though they came back together, but <laughs> that was a bad part. Eventually, 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 it all came back. It all came back. <laughs> yeah, I watched it. Um, I got bronchitis once, and I had been told about this show, and for some reason, I hadn't watched it yet. And this was like right after the first season had been over. And so I binged the first season in a day, just like you, Rebecca. And I just thought it was so good. I loved all the characters, even though I have issues galore with Rick. In the beginning, I didn't have as many issues with Rick. It was later when he kind of became self too self-righteous for me. Um, but I have a feeling if I hadn't stopped watching it, I, I stopped watching it about a season after they left the prison um because i think it was a season or two after that i just was bored like you said rebecca and i think i think what happens with some of these shows that go on for a long time is if you don't get and i don't i don't have uh, no idea about what the writers room was like but if you don't get a fresh perspective or fresh writers or if you get people that are just bored and just they're like oh i cannot stand writing for these characters anymore then it shows it shows on screen it shows with what you're given so i don't know if that was what what had happened i did see because after i'd heard um about what happened to glenn and glenn was one of my absolute favorite favorite characters and i did hear what happened to his character and i did happen to watch that scene and i know a lot of people left after he was brutally murdered in that show um and which is totally understandable um, because I think they could have done it in a different way, <laughs> probably would have been a better idea. Um, so I never really watched it too much when Jeffrey Dean Morgan was on. I didn't, I, except for that part, I came back and watched that and I was like, maybe I'll try and watch again. And I just couldn't get back into it, but I agree about Carol, Tiffany. She is just, she's one of my favorite female characters ever on television. She's, she's right up there with Deborah Morgan for me from Dexter because and I, they're kind of, in a way, even though Carol didn't start out this way, they kind of have the same kind of strong personality that, um, you know, and Carol becomes stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger as she goes along because she's not that strong in the beginning. You don't see that strength as much, but it just keeps coming out and coming out. And yeah, I just, I, I love her so much. She was definitely my favorite character ever on, on, on that show at least. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. But you know, because of, the walking dead we saw a resurgence in zombies um you know zombies became the it thing i think that's kind of died down now but zombies were the it horror genre um and you'd have like a lot of horror comedies which we're going to discuss in just uh, zombie comedies excuse me which we're going to discuss in just a second but you saw just tons of different things coming out i know um here in denver they do the zombie crawl here uh, right around this time, I'm sure they're not going to be doing it this year, but you know, you dress up as, and I did it one time and had my friend, um, 
Midian, who I'm going to call out right now, Midian Crosby, who's actually worked on The Walking Dead. Um, yeah, she lives in Atlanta right now, but she's an amazing, amazing makeup artist and special effects artist and stuff. And um, But she did my zombie makeup for it one time when I went down there. But yeah, it became this thing where everybody was into zombies. Zombies were the new thing. And I think, and I'm sure there were ones before this, but it was right around this time when you would see some comedies come out that were about <laughs> that were revolving around zombies. You even had romance coming out too. You had um, why is the name all of a sudden escaping me? Warm Bodies, that movie coming out oh, with a yeah. romance. <laughs> and with that one, you had the zombie having feelings and having you know. So talk about evolving there, where it was you know. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the comedy versions of zombies, because I think that's what's so interesting about this genre is it, as you said on our last episode, Rebecca, it really lends itself well to comedies. So, you know, there's Shaun of the Dead, of course, there's Zombieland, and then of course the sequel, Zombieland, Double Tap. Um, most recently there was the comedy musical, Anna and the Apocalypse, which I highly recommend. It's I also a Christmas, it's also a Christmas movie. So... <laughs> I, I love that Anna and the Apocalypse. So, Rebecca, what are your thoughts on the comedy versions, and do you have a favorite out of them? Oh, boy. I mean, I love Shaun of the Dead because I think that it is so – it's such a, a love letter to the genre as a whole because they go through every trope, and there's it's always a tongue-in-cheek, like, wink to the genre. Like, it's – it is so much fun. But I – like I said, the other night I watched Little Monsters – which was also a really fun take on, and it's a, it is a comedy about, and a little bit of a musical too, because there's a lot of singing in it, but this idea that you have a kindergarten class that's at this sort of Australian uh, petting zoo type farm when this zombie outbreak happens, incidentally, because of the Americans. Not that, that still holds up well. <laughs> But she's, Lupita Nyong'o is the kindergarten teacher, and she's stuck with all of these little kids and trying to keep them from freaking out. And she's like, it's a game. Okay, we've done so well. We're on the first level. Oh, God, I've got to go get a kid's backpack with his epinephrine shot because he's having an anaphylaxic shock. And she's like bashing heads off of these zombies it comes back in covered with blood with the backpack and she's like everything's fine <laughs> oh i got into a jam fight <laughs> i think that there's something about this that because the zombie film always makes us really confront our mortality in a way that i think even other horror genres may not um it, it, i think that there's something that is just almost absurd about the idea to begin with in a way that vampires aren't quite as absurd or werewolves aren't quite as absurd that you kind of, like, even when zombie movies are very serious, there's usually a part where you kind of have to laugh <laughs> like either because you're like, that, that's great. <laughs> that guy's head just got smacked off with it. <laughs> like, yeah, that just ripped his guts out. Um, so, yeah, I think that I loved Anna and the Apocalypse. I thought that was such a fun... I, I loved the idea of having a musical take on the zombie genre. And I thought that it actually um, did a great job of subverting some of my expectations 
because there were quite a few tropes that I expected them to play into that they didn't. Um, she does not end up with the guy that you think that she's supposed to end up with at the end. There are some people who survive or who die that you do not expect to survive or die. And I, I thought that, I, I think it's a great way. I also really, uh, this is a, a British film, a couple years old now, but it's one, another one of my favorite comedy takes on the genre, which is Boy Eats Girl. <laughs> and as the title implies, the idea is that you get a zombie outbreak that starts because this kid dies and his mother tries to resurrect him, uh, not realizing that by doing so she's created a zombie and he's only going to continue to survive if he eats human flesh. He unintentionally starts a zombie outbreak in his high school and small town. Again, starting to sound a little familiar with <laughs> our current situation. But he has this crush on this girl and is struggling not to kill her. <laughs> not to eat her. And then trying to reverse the zombification process so that he can go out with her. <laughs> it is adorable. There is a scene of mowing down a bunch of zombies with like a riding lawnmower. Awesome. Highly recommend. I'm pretty sure I've heard of that one. I don't know if I've seen it, though, because it does sound familiar. I know there was there's another one that's kind of like that, too. But, yeah. And Tiffany? I, <laughs> I guess for, you know, for funny um, zombie films, I, I love Shaun of the Dead. I love Shaun of the Dead. It's ridiculous. It's so much fun. Um Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are so ridiculous. They really are. And there's something to be said about having something as gory as zombies and then having that comedic element layered on top of it. Um, it's they're, they're polar opposites, but it always usually works so well. Um, so I like the I like the clever wink wink to certain, you know, to like pop culture references and things like that it's just it's so much fun um besides Shaun of the dead i do like zombie land i do like um i didn't see uh the second one i didn't see double tap but i do like zombie land a lot uh woody harrelson is so underrated to me and he's so funny as a, as when he's in his comedy bag he's so so funny um so it and i love um emma stone she's she's great uh there's one person in there that I don't care for, but I'll gloss over him. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think what else. Warm Bodies, yes. Excellent. I do need to see, uh, Rebecca, I do need to watch Little Monsters um, because Lupita is excellent and I usually watch everything that she's in. I don't know how I missed that one. I'm not sure. But yes, give me comedy, give me zombies, give me them together. It makes just for a... A perfect cake. And I believe Little Monsters is still on Hulu. I think it's still on there. It That's where I watched it. And Anna and the Apocalypse is on there, too. Oh, so, okay. Yes. I have to borrow somebody's password because I just canceled Hulu. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you got and a few friends who might hook you up. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's the best part of that movie, I think. Um I think she raises the bar. Of course, she raises the bar on a lot of things. So <laughs> she's just amazing. And 
but should have been. to Josh Gad in that movie, too. Well, yeah. He's, I he's had no good. idea that he was in it. Yeah, he's pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah. He's pretty good, too. But, yeah. And, this, and then just another mention that Lupita should have won the Academy Award for Best Actress for us. So just throw that out there. Yes, she should <laughs> have. I'm still yes. been nominated. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I love, and yes, I'm going to echo Zombieland is, I love Shaun of the Dead too, but Zombieland is probably my favorite comedic zombie movie. Um, I do want to quickly mention though, we did do a poll just seeing what everybody's favorite zombie movies were. And we had Zombieland, Shaun of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, and 28 Days Later, and Shaun of the Dead won by a lot. So yeah, that's definitely everybody's favorite i think um and then we did get a couple of mentions of other ones as well but yeah Shaun of the dead was everybody's favorite but zombie land is my favorite because i have such a soft spot for woody harrelson i just love him i think he's such an underrated actor and i think he's underrated because he's never over the top he's just completely the character every time he's in a movie um, and I think that's why people overlook him because he's such a good actor. He's such a good actor. He was good all the way back during Cheers. I mean, he's just he's just so much fun to watch. And what's fun about watching him in that, if you know anything about him in real life, you know, he's a complete vegan. He did a whole documentary called Get on the Bus, all about that, where he went around trying to tell people all this stuff about, you know, not, not eating dairy. And to watch him be so obsessed with Twinkies, it was so great just because you know in real life he would probably never eat a twinkie i don't know i mean he's also a big they had to stoner. make a special vegan twinkie for him oh i bet for the movie. yeah yeah it yeah, was custom made me. yeah that doesn't surprise me yeah and he's just so laid back and um you know i just i just adore him so watching him is great and and i love emma stone too um, yeah, and I think Abigail Breslin is really good in that movie, too. She I think is. she does a really good job. I enjoyed the second one. I know a lot of people don't like the second one. Um, it's nowhere near as good as the first one, for sure. But I still enjoyed it, uh, mainly just because I loved seeing Woody Harrelson back. <laughs> that was the main reason. I could just watch him, you know. Seriously, he's one of those people I could watch reading a phone book, so... Yeah, he's great. I, I want to throw out another zombie comedy that people have overlooked. I think it's it came out in 2006, but I think that it's absolutely charming and really funny. And it's a really fret. I think it's a really nice take on the zombie genre. And that's Fido. Oh, yeah. Fido. <laughs> I don't know if either of you have seen Fido. I forgot about it that stars one. stars Billy Connolly <laughs> as Fido. But the idea is that you're in this sort of alternate version of the 50s where it's almost as if night of the living dead had happened and the u.s went through the world went through this big outbreak and they've managed to contain it and now when the dead are resurrected they can put these collars on them provided that you did not decapitate them because that's the way to make sure that they don't come back as zombies got to chop off the head uh you could put a collar on them and they basically serve as menial labor. And so you have, and there's this great commentary about sort of the 1950s America where they have the version of the boy scouts where they're all training to shoot the zombies. Should the zombies come back? But the family gets their zombie sort of in a keeping up with the Joneses. They finally get their house zombie, but the boy treats him more like a pet. And so he's Fido. <laughs> And it's 
just really adorable and clever and you still get your blood and gore, but it has this sort of sweet sentimentality to it where when Fido gets in trouble, when his collar comes off, you're like, oh no, Fido, (laughs) Come, come back. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, but I remember that when that one came out, that was a big deal. That movie was actually a pretty big deal as far as in the genre, just because it was kind of a a different a different take on it. Yeah, because that was yeah that was a long time ago. Okay, well Give we're it gonna a take. Chance. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about pandemic films, so movies that are more about pandemics and not really necessarily about zombies. So we'll be back in just a second. Okay, and we're back. So let's get into pandemic movies. And I just want to ask everybody what some of their favorite ones are. Um, We won't necessarily go beat by beat through movies like we did through zombies. But uh, Rebecca, what are some of your favorite pandemic movies? Oh, gosh, that's actually kind of hard for me to think about. When it got to the pandemic movies on the list, I was like, I think the only one of these I saw was Cabin Fever. (laughs) And... (laughs) So I may I may have to defer to Tiffany on this one and see what what your thoughts are because Cabin Fever I thought was actually really inter- was kind of interesting but I don't think I loved it as much as some other people did. So Tiff, what are your thoughts? Oh, well funny thing is so I didn't I didn't watch Cabin Fever. I watched Carriers last night. So um I have to say Carriers was not one of my favorites. Um, and I like Chris Pine. I like Chris Pine a lot. Like he's one of my favorite Christmas. But <laughs> but I I don't know. It felt a little disjointed to me. And I, I could have been like the performances by the other characters in there. And um, some of the writing elements I felt like were, were slightly off. Um, I guess for pandemic films, I really like Some people... Some people might disagree with me, but I really like Iron Legend. I really like, and I think it's it probably is um, mainly because of Will Smith's performance in it. But I actually thought that it was a really, really strong take on a pandemic film. And some people might think that those, the things that people turn into in I Am Legend could be considered zombie-like. I've heard people describe it as a zombie film, not just as a pandemic film. Um, but I Am Legend, excellent. It goes so far beyond, um, what is it? Uh, not the uh, the Omega Man. That sounds right. Yes. Charles I think that's what... yeah, yeah, the Omega mm-hmm. Man. Um, I've seen the Omega Man and it, it blows that out of the water <clears throat> completely. It's, it's, there's no comparison to it. There's really no comparison. And the fact that Will was acting across a dog acting across a German shepherd in the entire movie. So, so good. Um, let's see, what else, what else, what else? I guess, I mean, 28 Days Later could be considered a contagion film, contagion slash zombie movie. Uh, so that definitely is uh, one of my favorites. And it's not one of my favorites, but I did love the book. I highly recommend reading the book of World War Z. Um, I mean, watch the movie, I guess. But the book is so good. So, so good. I went through it in like, I mean, I read it in about two hours. It's so, so great. The movie does not do it justice. It really doesn't. So if you're going to do it, watch the movie first and then read the book. 
book. If you read the book, you're going to be first and then watch the movie. You're going to be disappointed. <laughs> you're going to be really disappointed. <laughs> I actually saw one um, that I really appreciated. I thought it was kind of a different take on how the contagion, how a contagion would spread because we see a lot of like, when I think about things like cabin fever, like it's kind of like a, a it's, might be an airborne virus, but in zombie movies, especially, everyone knows it's the bite. You know, it's the bite, it's scratching, things like that. Um, the movie contracted, and there's a sequel to it. I think you can still find it on Netflix. That's where I saw it a couple of years ago. Uh, a woman is drugged and raped at a party. And she thinks that she's contracted an STD. And it turns out it's more like a zombie-like type virus and she ends up spreading it and so it's sort of this idea that like there's more than like there's still that connection to like there is violence that spreads this this contagious disease which i think is actually kind of a common theme through a lot of these i actually haven't seen i am legend um Aaron is saying do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. Okay. Do it. (laughs) Oddly enough, I had actually heard a lot of people who didn't like I Am Legend because of how the ending was changed. Yes. Changing the ending changed the movie's meaning completely. Yes. Yes. There is that contingent that that doesn't like the ending. I'm okay with the ending. Aaron, how about you on the ending? Sorry, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I... I love the whole entire movie. So yes, I, I liked the ending. Um, it's one of the few pandemic movies I've ever cried in. I cried a lot in that movie. Um, and I think it's really due a lot to Will. I mean, to Will Smith's performance. It's due to another thing in there and just personally, but it, it, it's, but Will Smith is so good in that. And he's alone for the majority. I mean, yes, he has a dog, but he's alone you know, and he, and to do that, to perform that is just another level. So yeah, I mean, I love that movie. I love everything about that movie. I think it's an underrated movie. I think I wish people liked it more. And so, yeah, you definitely should see it, Rebecca, because it's just, just see it. And just, even if you don't like the movie, I think you would appreciate uh, Will Smith's performance because I think he's so, so good. He's just so good. I mean, really, it's, he was excellent. I mean, this is his time frame of him doing like he did I Am Legend, then he did I Robot. And okay. I think those are really two of his strongest performances. And he does not get the um, the accolades that he should for those two performances because both of them, I mean, polar opposites. I mean, he's acting alone in, in I Am Legend and he's got a ton of people around him in I Robot, but so strong. And strong writing, too. I honestly think it's really strong writing in both films, uh, even though I robot it has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you guys I are talking about I Am Legend. Sorry. You guys talking about I Am Legend makes me think of how, you know, I think we're starting to see a much greater diversity in the zombie genre in the last couple of years. You talk about like 28 days later, and this is true for outbreak films as well, where you have, even in things like little monsters, Lupita Nyong'o is the lead. We're starting to see some like, 
it's kind of funny. We had it all the way back at the beginning with Night of the Living Dead and Dwayne Jones, and then it kind of disappeared <laughs> for a while. I watched a really interesting zombie outbreak movie last night. It's available on Shudder, but for those who are listening in Canada, it is also available on your local Crave uh, subscription service because it is a Quebecois film. It is a Canadian Quebec film about, it's called Blood Quantum. And the plot of the movie Blood Quantum is that an outbreak happens in Quebec and this virus turns people, they get really sick and then they end up becoming reanimated corpses. Except the Mi'kmaq tribe, the native First Nations people of Canada are immune to the virus. And so you have the white people suddenly flooding onto the native reservation seeking help, but they are bringing this plague with them. And while the native people are immune to say a bite, they can still be, they're losing resources. They're being, they can still be overwhelmed by a group of flesh eating zombies. And then it was, I, I was like, you know what? I actually don't know that I've seen a native take, and I believe the the director is a native uh, First Nations director. Most of the actors are First Nations. And I was like, you know what? I've never seen a First Nations or an indigenous people's take on a zombie film. This is really cool. (laughs) It makes a lot of great points about how the First Peoples were treated. (laughs) And still are. (laughs) Exactly. That, I mean, is there a better take on colonization and settlement. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no greater take than that. I, I have to check it out. I definitely have to watch that. Yeah, I remember hearing about it and then I forgot about it. So I definitely will have to check that, especially since, you know, you think I would have watched it by now with my shutter addiction. Um, but yeah, I remember when it when it came out and it was um, at some at TIFF. It was at TIFF. Um and it was just such a hit at that film festival. And I know a lot of people said this is a great new take on the zombie genre. But yeah, definitely. And that sounds that sounds really good. So yeah, it's nice to he- to see more diversity and more um, different takes. I think with a genre you, that's been around so long like this, you kind of have to mix it up a little bit. So I'll definitely have to check that out. And for me with um, pandemic movies, I definitely, like I've already raved about I Am Legend. I think that movie is so, so good. And yeah, definitely agree, Tiffany. It could be argued that it is um, a zombie movie as well. I happen to love Carriers. I'm sad that you didn't love it, Tiffany, but I happen to have loved it. I think, and and Chris Pine to me, next to Chris Messina, those are the two best Chrises. Those are the two, the best Chrises of all the Chrises, way above the other ones, in my opinion. <laughs> The acting quality is yes. like on another level. I mean, I have Christmas Cena right here, Chris Pine right there, yes. and then we have some other Christmas down there. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm with you completely. Yeah, yeah. Chris Pine is. Um, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to look it up really quick here, but I'll talk about Carriers for a minute. But I just thought Carriers was a nice, almost quieter movie, and I'm sure a lot of the reason I loved it is I thought Chris Pine was really, really good in it, and it was a very, very interesting performance from him um and i just think i think he's underrated because people look at how gorgeous he is to look at and he is extremely gorgeous 
but he's so also handsome. yes so handsome. so just such a good actor he's so good i just i i love that man yeah people like us is a movie that if you haven't seen that i think people should see that one because he's so good in that movie um yeah that's i mean i know a lot of people don't think that's a good movie but i think it's a good movie <laughs> Um, but I also, and by the time this airs, we will have already had our watch of it. But I have mentioned this movie before, but I'm going to mention it again. Um, it Comes at Night is probably one of the best new pandemic movies, in my opinion. And the reason I think it's so good, and I'm not going to spoil anything for our other panelists um, in case they happen to join tonight with our watch party since we're recording this on the Sunday is that it's so much more about character in this movie. Um, it's character driven. Um, it's not really, a lot of people have said it's not really a horror movie and it's much more a thriller. Um, it's very intimate. It's almost claustrophobic at times. Um, and it's just so well written. It's well directed. Um, it's really scary and heartbreaking. It's a very sad movie. Um, but I think it's really accurate to who people are in situations like this. So that's about all I'm going to say about it because I don't want to spoil it for people. Um, but that's one of mine. I I don't like Cabin Fever. I'll say that really quickly. I don't like Cabin Fever because I hate Eli Roth. <laughs> I think he, I'm not an Eli Roth fan either. I I've he, tried. <laughs> I think uh, torture porn, as I said on our last episode, um, tried to destroy horror movies in a way. I think there are very few torture porn movies that are actually any good, um, in my opinion. And I just don't like Eli Roth. Um, yeah, I just think he's kind of egotistical and I don't know. I'm not a fan of his <laughs> at all. Is it I will funny say, that I kind of like Eli Roth more? I like him more as an actor than I do as a director. Yeah, no, that makes <laughs> sense. He's a better actor than he is a director. Thank you. I'm not alone in this. <laughs> Yes, that's very true. Very good point. He is. He is. He should have just done that and and left the directing to somebody else. That's a very very good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did like his. Um, he did do a series. It was like a documentary series for A and E a couple of years ago about horror films and the different genres. I don't know if anybody else watched that. I saw that. That was really good. Yeah, I that, thought that was really good. But I think because he had so many other different points of view. Exactly. <laughs> that's That's what made it so good yeah yeah but but in all of these movies um the biggest like i said the biggest terror the biggest threat is the people um the people who haven't been infected um you'll see that a lot you'll that's always to me is the scariest part of any zombie movie any pandemic movie are the people so I want to talk about that um, because you also see that right now and what we're going through right now. Um, the scariest people. Say, do, do either of you ever, like when you're out and you see somebody without a mask on, do you get this like sinking feeling in your stomach? Like <gasps> the plague is coming. I get a rage, a rage in, in my stomach. I get I very angry. White yeah. hot, white hot rage behind my eyeballs. It's just like, like laser beam and, I've said, I mean, I've had people walk by me and I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Where's your mask? Oh, I don't have one. Go get one from the front of the store. Yeah. Just go get one from the front of the store. Why are you, why are you doing this? Because I mean, at this point in time, I have been, (laughs) I have been basically my life revolves around home grocery store and that's it. 
like everything else just gets delivered to the house. I don't go, I might grab something to eat, but I don't sit, nothing like that. It's so when I see somebody without a mask, it's just, I, oh my gosh, I just want to slap them. <laughs> yeah, me too. My, I mean, my job now, uh, my day job requires me to go out and be in public um, and be around people. And so I have to wear a mask for the majority of my day. And except for the times when I'm in my car alone, I don't wear a mask. Um, but I'll even see, you know, the other thing that gets me is, you know, I was just going through Starbucks drive through and, you know, they are required to wear masks and everybody else in their car. I always put mine on when I go up there because I'm like, just because they have one on and you're in your car doesn't mean that you're protecting, that they're protected from you. That's another thing that bugs me is I'm like, if you're going through the drive through wear a mask, you know, and it, it just, it just kills me. It's like, we would be out of this. I don't know if we'd be out of it, but we'd be in a totally different state right now. If people would just wear a mask, it's just a little, little thing to do. It's just, and I'm not saying it'll 100% protect you, but just wear a mask, take those precautions, you know, I mean, yes, my hands are dry constantly because I, you know, I have a bottle of, um, of, um, you know, how am I forgetting the <laughs> hand sanitizer? <laughs> I have a bottle of hand sanitizer in my car with me. I have a bunch in my purse. I, you know, I have to wear gloves too during the day. So it's like my hands are completely dry all the time in Colorado. We're already have hands that are dry so I know it's kind of annoying but so what I mean get over it it's just a minor minor inconvenience so we are definitely living through a time of seeing how people will deal with this and you I mean my mom was telling me the story of how she was at the park walking around the park and there was a woman without a mask and she kept yelling and harassing people that were wearing masks and I mean that's it's just and you hear about that all the time now. People are just getting angry and getting violent. And it's just so, so crazy. But not really, um, sadly, uh, unbelievable to me. It doesn't shock me that people are being this way. But it's still just so infuriating because you think I've done everything. Why don't you do something, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, all of like. All zombie yeah. films did not prepare us for this. They prepared us to like shoot at the walking dead <laughs> and they did prepare us to hoard supplies, I suppose. And like the idea that going away from your group to go get supplies like they do in the walking dead is a dangerous thing and you need to like take precautions. But no, I, and I saw this a lot back in March and April, people post on Twitter or on Facebook, like, you know what? I wanted zombies this is this is worse. <laughs> this sucks more than zombies. <laughs> well, I think I think and honestly, and this is a pandemic movie in and of itself, even though it's not it's not necessarily a horror movie, but I think the movie Contagion is really, really, really accurate to what we're going through right now. I think of all of these, that's the most accurate one out there. Um, except it's even more dire as far as the um death toll um yeah and the survival zombie movies in which a president or a world leader is like it's not happening it's fine in fact usually you see the news like the news like that shows up it's again a trope that goes back to night of living dead 
in all the zombie movies, you have the newscaster that comes on and says, stay indoors. Like, do not go near the infected. And I'm like, well, we have this now. And everybody's like, but I want to go out for St. Patrick's Day. I got to go to the Sturgeon. Yeah, exactly. My freedom. freedom This kills me. But my freedom. I'm like. Marco. (laughs) That's all I hear when I hear somebody say that. It's like, but my freedoms. And I'm like. (laughs) well i mean there's some i mean do they not wear seat belts um when they go into a store do they just take off their shirt and shoes and pants and go freedom you know i mean it's the same thing it's i mean it's so ridiculous and and the majority of these people support a a person who is literally a fascist literally a dictator wants to destroy this country and sell it off for parts and then they're crying freedom over a mask. It's just so ludicrous. It's just so ridiculous. I'm like, seriously, <laughs> the person you are supporting is the one that wants to take all your freedom away, but you just don't care. But yeah. And anyway. as of the time of this recording, <laughs> that same person is now diagnosed and in Walter Reed Hospital with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And on supplemental oxygen, folks. That's right, supplemental oxygen. <laughs> Yeah, and and I don't have an ounce of sympathy or empathy for that person (laughs) at all. (laughs) Not a single one. I just can't. I don't. I just don't care. You know. I mean, couldn't have happened to a more deserving person. (laughs) (laughs) When I heard about it, (laughs) exactly. Yep. Yep. My only thing was this: better not be a fake thing to try and you know make him come out and say, "You see, it's not a big deal." But yeah, that's that's that was my only only thought was that. So yeah. Given yeah. the events of this year, does do either of you feel like watching zombie movies now like you can't buy it? Like, oh no, this is <laughs> this this is either like not the way that this goes now that we we are actually dealing with a de- deadly pandemic that's killed two hundred thousand people in the United States alone. Or do you watch it and go, yeah, I, you know what? I'd rather have the zombies. I would rather have the zombies at this point in time. I mean, honestly, I'd rather deal with the zombies. It's just, it seems like they make it so much easier to deal with because it's like, I have my enemy. I know what my enemy is. Let me go get my enemy. And this, uh, dealing with this in real life, it's just, it's just a headache. It's just such a headache uh, every day just seeing these folks and, and just dealing with these folks. It's it's just really, really, really irritating. <laughs> I feel like the outcome with zombies is so much quicker and yes. it's so much more That's finite true. too. Yes. There's no like, they're going to get better. There's no like, and at least like in zombie movies, it tends to vary based on the zombie film, whether they turn in a few hours or a few minutes or as soon as they are clinically dead. But I'm like, you You always know that outcome is zombie. With the coronavirus, we just, it's like, you could die. You could lose a limb. You could be on a ventilator for months. Or you could feel like you've got the worst flu in the world and can't smell anything. And you'll recover in three weeks. But even if the people that recover, they still have lasting health things too that's the other thing is that that's that's what kills me is everybody saying well it's not that many people dying and i'm like well even if you were to 
sit there and, you know, basically crap on all the people that have died. Fine, whatever. But still, even people that survive it still have lasting health issues. You know, it's not like it's just like the common cold and it's not like a regular flu. So it's that's what really bothers me about it is you'll see that in so many comments, so many posts, so many people talking about that. It's like, no, this is something we should take seriously. And this is not a political thing. It's not like, you know, it's only real for certain people and not real for other people. It's a real thing that we should have taken seriously if we had real leadership in this country. Um, yeah. So and and I think, honestly, I, I agree that zombies would be better to deal with. But I think the people in zombie and pandemic movies, especially pandemic movies, are a very accurate portrayal of what we are witnessing right now. Um, and I think it's just because that's the, the way selfishness, the selfishness, I didn't want to believe the, that the selfishness would happen. And it is. Yeah. It's the selfishness, the violence, the, you know, I mean, you think, um, you know, nine 11 was a tragedy, but we've, we lost more people. We've lost more people during this than nine 11 and people get so upset when you won't, you know, honor the victims of nine 11. And those are some of the same people that aren't honoring the victims of this or have no respect for, you know, who may die of this or say, you know, let's just sacrifice people so we can get on with our lives. It's like, if we would just do these things, we could get on with our lives a lot quicker and we wouldn't, it wouldn't have as much of an impact economically, societally. I mean, it's just so sad and heartbreaking to me because it's just, it just, I, it's hard to have hope in this time it's hard to have faith in this time, you know. It's just a very, very difficult time. And it's very interesting to be, um, you know, my sister works in healthcare too. So I hear a lot from her. She even has people that she works with in healthcare, though, that don't take this seriously. That really blows my mind. Um, yeah, she has coworkers that have, you know, said to her, Oh, this is this is something that Fauci made up in a lab. I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah. I mean, that to me blows my mind. But, you know, my sister's out there in the world. I'm out there in the world. So it's a very different feeling when you're out there um, than when you're just at home, at least because I was at home at first and then my job switched. And so now I'm out there in it. And I don't didn't even really think of it this way, and I know it's this way, but I had someone the other day thank me for risking my life to do what I'm doing. And what I'm doing is not a life-saving thing at all. So they thanked me for that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I am really putting my health at risk to do this job. Um, so, yeah, so please wear a mask. Um, I know it may seem like we went on a tangent, but I think it really fits perfectly for the episode. So... Yeah, wear a mask, respect people, um, don't be a jackass, and, you know, vote. <laughs> Please vote. Vote now. If you can vote now, vote now. Vote, 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 vote. So, these yeah, are I the things that. These are the things that zombie films did not prepare us for. They did not prepare <laughs> us for a virus that could take two weeks to incubate. They did not prepare us to, like, it's true. how are you going to hold an election while people are dying of a contagious disease around you. Yeah. That's very that's very true. Thanks, zombies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
you should have done better. <laughs> <laughs> we needed more from you. <laughs> oh, you know what, Erin? I forgot to mention another one that I really, really, yeah. really, really like. Um, and this is more recent. Train to Busan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Train to Busan. So, and I know, you know, some folks oh, will, be, so will be, you know, oh, I don't want to watch subtitle. Please, please just get over, get over your, your hatred of subtitles and watch this movie because it is incredible. It is so incredible. The writing, the performance, the cinematography, the action sequences. It's so heartbreaking, too. Is, yes, heartbreaking. I cried. I don't think I had ever cried during a zombie film before, and I was weeping during Train to Busan. That final scene, oh, gets me every time. It gets me in the, gets me in the heart. Heart. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to put that as an option of one we would watch for this, but it was off Netflix by that time. Oh, yeah, man! If you missed it off of Netflix, it's just ah, find it someplace <laughs> else because it's so good. And another one, also, um, I don't know. If, I hope it's still on Netflix. Um, the series Kingdom. That one is really good too. Kingdom. If you like Train to Busan, I guarantee you will love Kingdom as well. I think it's uh. It's they did their second season this year and it's 10 episodes I believe per season I want to say 10 episodes that sounds correct um but it's about the a middle kingdom in um uh like let's see I'm looking it up right now uh da, 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 da. yes so the a kingdom an ancient kingdom in Korea and the prince hears that his father has died. The king, the emperor has died. But there are some nasty rumors circulating about how the emperor actually died and if the emperor is actually dead. And then it goes on a really, really big adventure after that. So <laughs> check out Kingdom. It's And it is still on Netflix. It's still, I just yeah. looked it up and it is still on Netflix. First season has six episodes and the second season has six episodes as well. So quick watch. Cool. I'll have to definitely have to, I've written that one down because I haven't heard of that one at all. And so, I think for, aren't they, now. Yeah. Aren't they making a sequel, they're making a sequel to Train to Busan, right? Or are they making it a, no, Snowpiercer is the one that's becoming a series, but they're making a sequel to Train to Busan. Is that correct? Or am I wrong? Yes, I'd heard that too. I don't have, I don't remember when they said it was actually going to be released. I don't think it's this year. I think it, we're probably looking at 2021 for releasing. Yeah. Well, and who knows when we'll actually get it since, you know, <laughs> true. with all of this happening. Um, plus, there's always a delay anyway from us getting films that are released overseas and when we get them here. So I don't know when it's uh, scheduled to be to be out but that should be I think that'll be a good one too um, as long as they keep the same type of energy like I don't want a bastardized version of it like do not give me some type of USCN version of Train to Busan I don't mm. want an Americanized version of it give me Train to Busan 2 written as it was for Train to Busan <laughs> originally <laughs> yeah yeah. Definitely. In terms of other like foreign zombie films that I quite enjoy, there's one from I believe it's from Norway called Dead Snow. 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Resurrected zombie Nazis in the Norwegian mountains. Oh, my. Yeah. It is. That one is crazy. It is awesome and crazy. <laughs> wow. Still would rather be dealing with the resurrected zombie Nazis than the neo-Nazis that we have now. Yeah, I was going to say, we are dealing with Nazis right now. That's so. <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, animated that's a dead crazy ones would one. be easier to deal with. Yeah, that's a crazy. One. Yeah, and I haven't seen it yet. But has anyone seen that hashtag alive one on Netflix? That new zombie movie? Not yet. I haven't seen that. I have yeah. to put that on the list. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. But just was curious if anybody had seen it and thought it was good. But, um. Yeah. Oh, well, and I'm trying to think if there's any other ones I want to give a quick mention to, but I don't. I don't think so. I'll think of them probably when we're done. Um. <laughs> of course, that's always on your <laughs> yeah. uh, You yeah. know what I do want to say about, um, and I know that it's it's touchy, but <laughs> I, I actually like the Dawn of the Dead remake in from, um, what was that, 04? Mm-hmm. I like that one. Um, and I know George A. Romero wrote the screenplay. Um, uh, he's co co-writer on that screenplay but it's directed by Zack Snyder and I like it I do I like it (laughs) I love that movie I think that movie is so good yeah that movie is so good did you see that vindication I don't know one of my favorite rewatches is Return of the Living Dead oh oh yes I love that one I think I saw it for the first time at a Mile High Horror Film Festival uh, in a theater with a big crowd. And the actress who played Trash gave a talk before the movie. And I just fell in love with it. I was expecting something that was going to be so cheesy that it was fun, but it was so good. It was so great. I rewatch that one a couple times every year now, particularly around Halloween. Love and I love the soundtrack too. The punk soundtrack. It's just they start playing Surfing Dead. I'm like, yes. I was sitting there in the theater because I had I had no idea what was going to happen. It was my first time seeing the movie, and they start playing Surfing Dead, and I'm like, yeah, Surfing Dead. <laughs> the friend that I was with at the time, he was like, I've got another fan. Yes. Yeah, there, I mean, there are so many of them out there. And, of course, there are bad ones, too, of course. But there are so many, so many out there. Um, and I've seen this one mentioned, and I didn't even think of this as a pandemic movie, but the movie 12 Monkeys, I don't know why I didn't think of it as a pandemic movie. Um, but I've seen that mentioned when I was looking up, you know, best pandemic movies. That one came up a lot. I don't know if anyone else thinks that's a pandemic film. Um, but... Yeah, yeah, that was that was an interesting one that came up when I was looking. I I'm like, kind of see it. Yeah, I can see it. I like it. I can see it. I will give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen it once when it first came out, and for personal reasons, it really, really got to me on a very personal level. I can never watch that movie again. Um, but yeah, but maybe I should just to see how I, how I look at that because that was I mean that was a long time ago. Um, Okay, well, I think that's a good place to close out, and I'll just go around the triangle, since it's not really a circle necessarily. Well, it is a circle, I guess, but... (laughs) And have everyone say where they can be found. Um, Rebecca? 
So I don't tweet much, but you're welcome to tweet at me at Rebecca Jacobson. That's J-A-C-O-B-S-O-N. Uh, particularly if you have other zombie films that you'd like to recommend, or if you want to disagree with me on my opinions about some of these zombie and outbreak films, come at me. (laughs) 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 And do check out Blood Quantum. I think it's an interesting, uh, I I really enjoy seeing a native take on the zombie pandemic genre. Yeah, definitely going to check that one out. And Tiffany? You can find me at is tip is me and that's i'm primarily on twitter that's at who is tip is me and uh yeah like rebecca said just uh come at me bro on uh on any of the zombie films contagion films um i talk about pretty much a lot of tv because i watch way way too much tv and oh one that i didn't mention that i really love and that i think people will really like that uh ended last season i zombie which is awesome. Uh, such I a good, such a good show. It, it combines a lot of the comedic elements that we were talking about earlier. Uh, so if you like comedy, if you like zombies and a fresh take on it, definitely check out iZombie. Um, and then I also write for the game Nerds. We're always looking for writers, and you can find us across all platforms at the Game of Nerds. And thanks again for having me, Erin. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. And we'll definitely be linking that in the show notes. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook.com slash It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any zombie movies or pandemic movies you'd like to recommend or any feedback at all, feel free to email us at itsafandomthingpod at gmail.com. And next week, we are going to be talking about representation in horror, and then we're going to be talking about slasher films and the final girl trope. So, And Rebecca will be returning for both of those episodes, so that should be a lot of fun. And then Tiffany will be back for our vampire episode the next week. So I'm looking forward to that one, too, because vampires are one of my absolute favorites, which I can't believe I didn't mention that in our (laughs) Why We Love Horror episode, since I love them so much. Um, But... (laughs) I love that little wave you're doing there. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, vampires. zombies are my jam and vampires are yeah. my jam. So I'm so excited about this. Yeah, me too. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing and Black Lives Matter. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.